Heavenly Father, we thank You for what You've done in sending Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay for the penalty for our sins. Through the blood applied, have we been saved and washed clean, whiter than snow. We ask, Father, as, as we come together today, not only to sing praises uh, to You, to Your name, Lord Jesus, to You, but we come to, to see what you have uh, in store, what you have said in your word, what you uh, have promised, uh, what you have commanded. As we study your word, Lord, uh, guide us in our understanding and help us in the application of it. In Jesus' name, amen. This week, uh, you know, honestly, this week was a hard one at times uh, uh, to focus on my studies. For some reason, uh, Wednesday was particularly hard. I don't know if it was a severe cold <laughs> outside or what. Uh, I think it's probably because I was lacking sleep the night before. I, I uh, woke up Tuesday night uh, just feeling dread. <laughs> but just very briefly. And I just had this thought, you know. One, which is strange, you guys can laugh at me. One, I exist. <laughs> so I can feel this way. Which is good, right? I exist. And secondly, immediately, I thought, and I have a Savior. I have a Savior. Lord God loves me. Jesus is my Savior. I lost sleep after that. <laughs> Was very unproductive on Wednesday. But... Uh, and that's probably where, you know, why am I here? I have a relationship, Lee. Is my relationship important enough to me that I would set aside everything else and spend time in the Word, even on days where it's hard uh, to focus? And so I shared with you earlier, you know, that, that thought, but I think that thought was kind of a convicting thought for me because uh, devotions uh, were hard that day <laughs> to sit down and do devotions, um, to spend time with the, the Lord and His Word. And I want to challenge you again and, and myself uh, as we move forward that the idea of, of increased devotion, increased devotion to our, our risen Savior uh, going back in this wonderful song here, the songs that we were singing this morning, the special this morning all spoke to my heart and all come together and remind me of where we are in our studies here in the book of Revelation. And last week we were in Revelation chapter 5, and in Revelation 5 verse 9, it says, and they sang a new song, that is the, the saints, uh, the elders but it says here, worthy are you to take, that is the lamb, right? The book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation by the blood of Christ. And so if you haven't been with us for a while, we, 
we have been going through the book of Revelation and, and chapter 4 and 5 are crucial because they point out to uh, the reality of, of the right that God has to receive worship. The Father and the Son. For they are worthy. And we started going through Revelation here, uh, I don't know how long ago it was, but I've been wanting to do a study in the book of Revelation. A year ago, spurred that desire on as Russia invaded Ukraine. <laughs> the pandemic, whatever that is, right, spurred this thought on. The things, when people call what is, what is good evil and evil good spurs on my desire to continue to look at the book of Revelation. There's a lot of things, events going on. We could go back to Ezekiel 38 and we can look at all these events in the world and, and see some precursors and that kind of spurs on my desire to, desire to continue on in our study of the book of Revelation. Hebrews 10.25 states, Hebrews 10.25 says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. But especially as we see the signs of the time. And so I want to challenge you again this morning that as we look at the book of Revelation, that we, as we look at the Lamb who opens the, the, the seven sealed scrolls, to give increased devotion, as we see this day approaching, as we see this day approaching, that we would continue or to progress in our love for the Lord Jesus Christ, our walk with him. So now we find ourselves in the sixth chapter, and, and so let's break it down into four considerations. First, let's consider the content. And really, this is the main uh, aspect of this passage for us today, to know what's in it. Um, it's really hard to know what to, to siphon out, what to keep in, because of limited time as we do our study. And for me, a lot of times we go longer because I can't sift stuff out. I think I've done a better job today, but we're missing a lot, okay, as we do that. And so we're going to look at the content here this morning. Uh, follow along. I'm going to read verse and I wrote down, it's the seven seal scrolls, and I put in my nose chapter seven, but we're in chapter six. Uh, chapter six, verse one and two. Then I saw, who saw? John saw. When the lamb, who's the lamb? The Lord Jesus Christ, right? Back up to chapter five. He broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying as with a voice of thunder, come. I looked and behold a white horse and he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. You know, the, 
This is where we find, and we see the first horse here, this is where we find the four horses of the apocalypse. They're synonymous. There we go. (laughs) Catch your attention. Pastor Lee can't talk today. All right. Anyway, the the four horses of the apocalypse are the same as the seven first seven seals, right? They're the ones dispensing or going out the personification or the very real aspect of the judgment. But the four horses of the apocalypse, many believe, takes place during the first half of the tribulation, but that's difficult, right? Uh, There's a lot of things that we could say this is about the time it's probably going to happen within the tribulation, the seven-year period of time where God, the wrath of the Lamb will be dispensed upon the earth. Now, out there in the fellowship hall, over between the bathrooms, I put up four, uh, four, uh, word escapes me, what? Charts, thank you, thank you. I should have got a lot more sleep, right? Someone's saying, Pastor Lee, you need, uh, there's four charts out there. If you want to get a better understanding, if you miss something here today, I'd encourage you to go look at those charts Uh, There's other ones that you can get. And so when we look at this passage, we find first, in in this first half of the tribulation, we could go to Matthew 24, verses 5 through 8, and here Revelation 6, 1 through 8, we begin to see this unfold, and, and it's also termed the beginning of birth pangs. The second half is the severe birth pangs. But it's a great tribulation, the second half, the time of Jacob's trouble, Jeremiah 36 and 7, and Matthew 24, 21. But here in the first half, it's just as bad, but it's progressively going to get worse. By saying just as bad, I'm, I'm not saying it's as bad as the last judgments, but it's all bad is really what I meant to say. What do we find here? We find a false peace. Some say it's the Antichrist here on the white horse. Why a horse? Power and the speed, the swift speed as it will be carried out. Yes, it is the same color of a horse that Jesus will be riding as he comes back to the earth to take up his rightful place of judgment. He's on a white horse. Have you ever ridden a horse? The same color as somebody else? So some say, hey, this is Antichrist. What's the difference? Well, this one has a bow, not a sword. A different crown, a Stephanus for a crown, not a diadem crown. But he goes out to conquer and to conquer. But he's not the second horse. It's not the second horse. So, so many believe this conquering is a conquering of words or a political conquest. Because there's a big difference between the first horse and the second horse because the second horse brings war. So let's move on. Let's go to six, uh, three and four. When he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come, and another, a red horse, went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth 
and that men would slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. And so we see open war. A lot of people see the, the first horse as, as synonymous with the Antichrist as he will come and make a peace agreement and there will be peace, peace, but there is no peace. Here we see war will begin, another world war. Will it be World War Three or later? I don't know. How many world wars will we have before then? I, a lot of us speculate the next one will be at this time. But it's a red horse, and he's going out to destroy with a great sword. He took away peace. Men will kill men. There will be great strife going on, five through six, because of our limited time. When he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come, I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hands. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, a, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not damage the oil or, and the wines. Pardon me. Do not damage the oil and the wine. And there's a lot of different thoughts in some of this, but this black horse, this rider uh, with the scale, a scale to weigh, yeah, right? When you're paying for food in the marketplace, a picture of it's going to cost a lot more to get just a little bit of food because of the famine. So after war, oftentimes comes famine. Everybody went off to war, right? Civil war, there's less food. Very few people to be back, to stay home and, and to till the ground, to plant the seed, to harvest the food. Also the destruction burn up fields, the inability to get food from one place to another. But there will be great famine, that which the world has yet to see. There will be great war, that which the world has yet to see. The wine and oil, some suggest the rich will will have what they want, but others suggest that these necessary items must be protected and therefore, it's a caution because the famine is so severe. The reality, what you need to know, is a famine such as which the world has never seen. After that, verse 7 and 8, when the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come, I looked and behold, ashen horse, an ashen horse, and he who sat on it had the name Death, and Hades or Hell was following with him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. This pale green horse and rider whose name was Death and Hades following, or hell following after. Uh, pale green is what, what you see with dead and decaying human remains. It killed a quarter of the remaining population, killed with what, with what, killed, they were killed with what had already started. It's hard to understand my notes sometimes, right? Because we see famine, right? It says here in this verse, to kill with sword, a war, famine, right? 
It's already taking place. And pestilence. My thought on this is it's going to get worse and worse with wild beasts. And then the lamb broke the fifth seal. You're like, boy, these notes we could just get from our study Bibles. Yes. When the lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and venging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And, and there was given to each of them a white robe and they were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, would be completed also. And so we find here the martyrdom or the prayers for vengeance in, in verse 9. John MacArthur sees this as uh, equal to the breaking of the peace treaty and the full force and wrath of the beast against Israel and all those who do not take the mark and intensity and increase in the destruction of God's chosen people. Others say this points to the, the first part when, and they're all through the tribulation, God's saints will be killed. But there will be a growth in intensity. But why were they slain? This is what is important. They were slain because they did not compromise and stood firm on the word of God. They were slain because of their testimony, their witness. And their prayer is, how long? And some people can focus on, well, isn't it, is it really okay that God would, would have wrath and judgment? Is it right for bad th things to happen to bad people? What do we deserve? Nothing apart from the grace of God. Nothing good apart from the grace of God. Judgment. But God's judgment is perfect and the martyrs are right to ask for God to fulfill his promise of just, justice and the judgment. Verse 11, what were they given? White robes. They have purity from sin and they're resting in perfection, waiting for the rest who would be martyred. And so all of these are tribulation martyrs. We find in verse 12 through 17, I looked when he broke, I know we're flying through it, when he broke the sixth seal and, and there was a great earthquake and this, the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair and the whole moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among rocks of the mountains and they said to the mountains and to the rocks fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of their wrath has come the day of the lord has come and who 
is able to stand. There's a cosmic catastrophe, right? And that's downplaying it. Over halfway, and many believe this is over halfway or almost halfway through the tribulation. As you read through the list, it is to be noted that, that we've, met, we've had many catastrophes in history and we've had one recently, haven't we? Not us, southern Turkey and Syria. Amir Safadi, Safadi I'm sorry, I practiced saying his name earlier, says every hundred years Israel has a big one, and some of these have grown in intensity. They're about four years since the last hundred, uh, since it's been a hundred years since they've had a big one. We believe this earthquake will especially take place in Jerusalem. This, this last earthquake close to Israel, over 50,000 people have died. I watched Monday when uh, in an interview of a lady sitting there said, I haven't been able to sleep at all since the earthquake. Remember when we studied about one of the churches, seven churches, that they had built houses outside of town? They were scared to live in the town? That's Turkey. <laughs> right? The seven churches? She hasn't been able to sleep, she said, and she can't feel her legs. Her legs are getting numb. She's getting numb because she can't sleep. But she has great fear. Look at this passage. Do you notice a word used several times? They had great fear. Some suggest we should put number six as the this, this seal broken of fear. <laughs> and yet what do they do? Do they repent? What do they cry out to? Nature or for death, but do they cry out to the Lord? You know, this is important information for us because it reminds us that things will go from bad to worse. Revelation 1.3 says, God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what is said for the time is near. And for us, I think it's important that we would give increased devotion as we see the day approaching. The second consideration is the lamb. Well, what's the focus? What is the focus? I would say, hey, the focus is on the lamb. <laughs> Look at the last two chapters, chapters the, the father and the son, the lamb that was slain, the lamb who's opening the, opening the seals, the wrath of the lamb. So therefore, as he opens the seals, it's also the judgments. Each time John is instructed to come and look, and it's hard to understand, especially the sixth seal with all those things but he sees it happening and he's trying to describe it this great catastrophe this cataclysmic event or events each seal is a judgment each judgment grows in intensity each judgment is to wake people up to their need to repent and turn to the lamb and that's what I think we need to understand as we look at this passage 
And as we look at Revelation, it'll get more severe as it goes on, and every one of them is a wake-up call for us today. It's important for us to see hardships, difficulties, earthquake in Turkey is a wake-up call. Turn to the Lord. Repent. We also see in this passage, not only is it the focus about the lamb and the judgments, but the martyrs, those involved. So we have the lamb and his judgments. We have the martyrs who are witnesses. And there will be martyrs throughout, right? Jesus warns his disciples. There'll be martyrs throughout the tribulation just as there is in the church age. But at this point, there will be a great releasing of evil against God's people. We also see the rebellious in verse 16 and 17. The stubbornness will lead them to, to rather die than repent. Parents, how many of you have had a kid? Uh, you, know, you know, how can I work in a way to allow my kid to get out of this? Because they're not going to get it, give in. But I can't let them know that I'm giving up on my punishment, right? Have you been there? These people are so stiff-necked and stubborn, they are not. But God's judgments are more severe. I don't know if that's a story for parents, hey, make your judgments, your, your punishment more severe. I don't think so. <laughs> it's not going to end well, right? Praise the Lord, we're still in the time of his wonderful grace and working through his church but they would rather die than repent. They seem to know it's the wrath of the Lamb, right? Look at this passage here. In, in, in verse 16 and 17, and they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, but they're not gonna turn. So there's this knowledge, but they're still rebellious. So they seem to know it's the wrath of the Lamb, but they don't, do not seek forgiveness. And the question for us as we, we try to apply this, where do we stand today? Do we ignore the warning signs that God gives us? You know, we may, know, we may think that we no longer have to pay attention because, yes, I've turned to Jesus, I've been saved by the, the blood of the Lamb, I've been redeemed, I'm forgiven, now I'm going to go live my own life. No, right? For us who love him and we've said, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, we haven't said, I'm going to go live my own life, but we said, yeah, I want to follow you, but it's been hard, it's been difficult, and it's, yeah, I get distracted. It's a reminder to us Stand firm. Continue to follow him. Grow in your intensity to walk with him. Or give increased devotion as you see the day approaching. Is God in control? Or do we want the control of our lives? The third consideration is my reaction, we already got into this, right? So my reaction as I've read this passage, I think one, all of us, as we read this passage, we should observe the precursors. 
right? Romans 8.22, write that down. Romans 8.22. We can observe the pains, right? For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. What we have here is an idea that, yes, during the, the, the tribulation, we have the first three and a half years is also called the, the beginning of birth pains, and then this last three and a half years, severe birth pains of the tribulation. But even today, we can say, well, we see it progressing, okay? So observe what's taking place and realize, I got to keep my eyes on Jesus. I need to stay fervent. No also that it must happen. There's nothing we can do to change what God has promised will take place. In verse three, what tense is the verb when he breaks the seal? Broke. He broke or opened. For John, as he watched, it took place. Also in Matthew 24, 6, Jesus says before his coming, there will be a lot of things that must take place, including the things we find during the tribulation. Because sin and rebellion against God must be dealt with. God will, will harvest, I like to refer back to Matthew 13, 24, as we look at this passage, as we look at the tribulation. God will harvest his wheat field and burn the tares. Know it must happen. Observe what's taking place in the world today. Trust the Lord. Who's perfect? The Lord. Who's holy? The Lord. Who's good? God is good. All the time. Even during the tribulation. And he is just. So my reaction as I read this is actually just wow. <laughs> Second, am I reconciled? Are you? Do you know your Savior, Jesus Christ? Have you trusted in him? Have you asked him for, your, for the forgiveness of your sins? Have you asked him to come into your life? Have you told the Lord Jesus that you will follow him and obey him? Have you committed your way to him? Are you following the Lamb? Are you following the King? Give increased devotion as you see the day approaching. And the fourth consideration is not just our reaction, but then our application of what we read. And I would say, again, because we are to observe the precursors, that is, be watchful. 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 6. 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 6. Would you turn there? Just give me a few more minutes. 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 6. There's a lot more in these passages. Be watchful. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are, are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then, let us not sleep as, as others do, but let us be alert and sober. Be watchful. Be steadfast. 2 Timothy 3, 13 through 15. 
As you turn to 2 Timothy 3, 13 through 15, we see what's going on in this world and, and, and we need to note what's, what's bad will progress to worse. There is deception and there's going to continue to be people who are deceived. So 2 Timothy 3, 13 through 15 says, but evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing that, knowing, pardon me, from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Be steadfast. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. As you turn to Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, the first couple of words in this passage, let us hold fast, are crucial. Let us hold fast. So let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stimulate or spur one another on to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Be steadfast as well as encouraged in this passage. Steadfast and encouraged. Stay firm, following the word of God. Be encouraged knowing that God is in control. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, at the end of chapter 4 as well, when you look at the rapture, when you look at the promise of the rapture of the church and the following events, therefore encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. Are you encouraging each other? Be encouraged, but encourage one another. Which means that we encourage each other to be willing to stand up and face ridicule, face opposition, and possibly even die. For what we say about Jesus and what we say about the Word of God and what we won't give into because even though they say what is evil is good and what is good is evil, we will not put up with it. We will not give in. We will not accept what they want to do to young people. And so when we look at politics, it's another precursor. But what will we do in this hour? Will we be like Esther? Will we understand that we are placed in such a time as this? Will we increase our devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, on days where I'm being mature, as mature as I can be in my thinking and with my time, I, I list out in my mind what must be done, what I ought to do, and then, you know, the things I want to do. When I'm not, then I put first what I want to do and not what I should do 
or must do. And so for me, I try to categorize, you know, the Lord is first, my relationship with Christ, then my relationship with my wife, my family, and my work, and then myself. And sometimes I get that all flipped around where it's myself, me. Many of those, those levels, right? The Lord, my spouse, my family, my work, co-mingle because since my wife is my priority, then work has to be a priority, correct? Since Jesus is my priority, then my ministry, so it's hard to, to space those out, but there are the, the must-be commitments. This must be my commitment. There are those should-be, what should be a commitment, but not as important as what has to be done. There are the I wanna commitments, we all have those. And what or who is at the top of your list? If you're giving increased devotion to your Savior, what is at the top of your list? Where is your devotion? It can be difficult, right? Amen? And so sometimes when we look at the future events, when we look at the world and say, hey, it's getting close, that should increase our fervency to follow Christ and the reality that I must do what he wants me to do today. I struggle with this. I wonder if I struggle with it more because I'm preaching on the topic and Satan says, yeah, you, you are a failure. It's my, my fault, my problem, my flesh, right? So what do I do? I go back to the Lord. I confess not only my sin, but my weaknesses. And how do we move forward? Through the strength of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you, I come before you very humbled by the fact that you love me so much, even in my fallen, uh, sinful, selfish, what, uh, the problems I struggle with, Lord, but my selfish way, even as I've, you know, grown in you, Lord, wanting to follow and obey you, having some victories, Lord, I find failures in my life. But I thank you, Lord, that you love me anyway and you desire to use me. And Lord, for all of us, I believe it's the same. We all have different weaknesses. We all have different problems, failures, time constraints. And we give all of that to you, thanking for your wonderful grace we want to do what you want us to do, Lord. Help us to be sensitive to your spirit, following uh, your promptings, not our, not our thinking, but your prompting, your, your leading. So Lord, I ask that you would be with each one today.
as we go out this week, as we go out, uh, starting a new month, that we would be uh, people who are more committed to walking with you and that as each one goes out, that they would be able to sense your leading and your conviction. Thank you, Lord, that you're still at work. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we have some youngsters come forward to take up this morning's offering?